All right, welcome to On The Mic. I'm Jake Colleen. On today's episode, we welcome Scott Hend. Scott Hend is an Aussie tour player that's played 24 years as a tour professional on several tours, mainly over in Asia and the European tours these days. He's one of the all-time greats on the Asian tour with 10 victories, which sits him third all-time. He is the second on the Asian money list all-time as well with money earned. He's the 2016 Order of Merit winner on the Asian tour and has claimed three European tour titles in the last six years. So what a career so far, and he's still going strong. Thanks for joining me, Scott. I appreciate you being with me, mate. Um, all the way from Florida, which I find a very interesting thing. You set yourself up in Florida with your family, and you're basically uh, most of the year playing Asian on the European tour. So why, why have you set yourself up that way? Well, back in 2004, I played on the PGA Tour. And I was in 2005 on the PGA Tour, so we moved here in 04. Uh, decided to buy a house. There's no reason to move out of here. We've got a green card. Just been here for for ages. The kids go to school here. They've been here since. Well, my wife went back to Australia, had the kids in Australia, and then she came back here with the kids because we wanted two Australians, in two up, two more Australians in the family. Yeah. And. Um, you know, we're just here, we're just comfortable being here and the tax rate's much better and just things, things in that respect are, are better, you know, you, mm. the way you can do your tax deductions and stuff like that and travelling to Europe from here is not very far at all. Yeah, fair enough. And Because, yeah, because now you've got a lot more uh, European tour status, haven't you? So you're not, not yep. so full-time in, in Asia, which we'll get to later. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, and over in, you're in Florida, so that, what sort of golf course, are you a member somewhere locally there and play play and practice? I've had uh, Corn Ferry tour status for a fair while, but I never played uh, through FedEx Cup points, which enabled me to practice at TPC Sawgrass. So mm-hmm. when I haven't had status, I've been fortunate enough that guys like Vijay Singh or Billy Horshaw or one of the other senior guys has let me be their guest to come and practice there. So they're very good there. Uh, the practice facilities are second to none. So mm-hmm. I'm quite lucky to be able to hit balls there. Yeah, and obviously you're used to traveling over that many years to Asia and Europe. Does it affect you in terms of your schedule compared to the other guys on tour or have you you just used to it now, the travel? I'm just used to it. I mean, my caddy, Tony Carroll, lives on the Sunshine Coast, so he travels from Australia out to Europe. So when we do meet up, he's a lot more jet, he's very jet-lagged, obviously, because it's a lot further to go. And then guys like Wade Ormsby and that, Wade's traveling from South Australia. I see how wrecked he looks sometimes when he shows up and I sort of feel, well, mm. you know, the five-hour time difference from here to the UK seems like nothing compared to what you guys have to go through from Australia traveling to Europe. And what's the new sort of, with this COVID and, and the new travel restrictions, how's it affecting your sort of place back into the tour and your travel? What do you have to do to sort of get yourself back from the US to, to Asia and Europe now? Well, the travel restrictions aren't as bad as what Australia is. I mean, I heard you still can't travel state to state and then you've got to do a two-week quarantine when you come back to Australia and then leaving Australia, you need to get permission to leave Australia. Mm. From here, I can fly straight to anywhere in Europe, UK. Uh, Europe at the moment, you've got to do a... For us to go play golf, we have to do the, the PCR test, I think they call it, where they, they do the shove it up your nose, see if mm-hmm. you've got the virus, negative, positive. Within 96 hours of landing, you've got to have a, that results with you to be led into Europe. Same for the UK. And then when we go to play the tournament on the 29th of June, we find out whether we have to do 
a 14-day quarantine before the tournaments or we can do the 14-day quarantine at the tournaments. That decision will come out 29th of June. Okay, right. And when you come back to the US, you don't have to quarantine or do you have to quarantine when you come back um, in? I'm hoping by the time I come back, I, I won't have to worry about that because I'm, I'm intending mm. to be probably on the road for two and a half, three months. So yeah. hopefully by then, I mean, it's either going to be worse or it's going to be better. And, yeah, sure. and so be at the moment, even when we came back from Asia the other day, we flew into Atlanta from, we went Bangkok to Korea, Korea to Atlanta, and we drove home and we just came home and stayed in the house for 14 days anyway. We weren't told to do anything, but we just thought it was our, you know, it was a, a duty for the community to stay at home and just isolate anyway. Yeah, well, um, I, I suppose you just have to make it up on the run, aren't you? you know, a lot of people yep. are doing that. So we'll see how it all pans out, but I'm sure you're ready to get back into it. Yeah, I started practicing on Monday and, uh, oh, goodness me, that was, uh, that was interesting. I, I don't think I've hit, um, I was aiming at a target about 148 metres away and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that my iron hasn't come out 20 metres short of a target that often. I kept hitting the fat, just getting steep on it. It's, it's just... I mean, I've been working out, I've been exercising, I've been doing yeah. therabands and stuff, but actual the timing and swinging of the golf club is, well, it's sort of interesting. How, how long does it normally take you to uh, get back into the feel of things and the swing of things? Well, I was saying to a few people I know, this is the longest. I mean, from I went from March 6, 60, I think it was 61 days, I didn't even swing a golf club that's the longest in 28 years of not even swinging a golf club so yeah. you know it's but normally when i come home I, I have if i've got two weeks off i come back to florida i don't i don't go to the golf course for a week and a half and then when i go back for the, the next three days to try and warm up before i go to europe i find it difficult this time i've actually found it easier than the short break i don't, I don't understand why i'm starting to, it feels like the swing's coming back quicker than than having a short break Interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, there might be something in that, but y your mind's probably fresh and you don't have uh, sh bad shots, bad things in your head, maybe, uh, that you had previous. So maybe it's just a full-on fresh mind and fresh body and you're ready to go. I think it might be more of a point of not sitting on the couch of having a litre and a half of ice cream a day and a <laughs> packet of salt vinegar chips and a few Cokes watching NASCAR. It's probably more, more the point. So do you feel after a big couple of weeks, you feel like you just reward yourself with a bit of food and a bit of NASCAR? Well, I, I, I certainly did come home and smash the barbecue. We probably have eight days, eight days out of seven on the barbecue and uh, smash down at least two bottles of red wine or a couple of bottles of white wine every night when I come home. And I'm like, I sort of <laughs> said, okay, I've done that already over this over this quarantine period, over the isolation period. I've drank way too much wine, so now I've just had to like pull on the reins really hard. Uh, yeah, nice one, mate. That's funny. <laughs> the old barbecue, yeah, it's awesome. What do you what do you like in the barbecue? A couple of sausages, um, bit of steak. It's always going to be steak, mate. Yeah. How steak. do you like it? Cool. I like it. I like it. Uh, well, my my wife always blows up because I like a little bit of the, on the bone when ribeye. In the on the bone, I like a bit of blackness on the edge of the bone. I like a bit of a crispy bit yes. on the bone. Same as when I have my lamb, if I cook lamb on the barbecue, lamb chops. I like the fatty bit to be crunchy. Yeah, nice. And and you, you're a bit of a wine connoisseur too, I see, on Twitter. Well, mate, there's so much negative negativity. I mean, I, I I fell into the trap in the last few weeks of of commenting on 
politics and stuff like that. And then I went, mm. you know, let's get back to the fun stuff. Golf clubs and wine, wine and golf clubs and cars. <laughs> NASCAR, right? NASCAR, old uh, classic cars. I've got a couple of classic cars, you know, just get back to stuff. People don't want to read a professional mm. sportsman's Twitter feed and see all negativity and, mm. and all my, all, all my problems that I'm worried about that they, they want to see something that takes them away from their, from the general everyday boredom that they have to do in their eight to five jobs, or if they're sitting at home, mm. bored out of their head, you know, it's, it's an entertainment avenue. I see it as. Do you, do you feel that as a responsibility or you've just seen that on, on the way people comment back and just the f- overall feel of what you sort of topics you touch on? I'm not really worried about what, what people comments are because that's Twitter. Anyone mm. can say anything at any time. So it doesn't matter. But mm. I just think that the people that follow me deserve a little bit of entertainment value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I really encourage people to join your Twitter I love watching you. And f- I mean, it's, it's, it's refreshing to get someone's uh, true opinion and you're not, a, you're not afraid of it and on any topic. So um, I enjoy it. So keep it, keep it real, mate. I love it. Um, congratulations thus far on your career. Um, 23 years, 10 Asian tour victories, which is three all time uh, on the list. Second all time Asian money list. Um, you've claimed three European tour titles, which have come a little bit later in your career. Uh, a little bit like the wine, mate. Uh, the years, yeah. as yeah. the years pass, gets a bit finer. So the question sure is: the cork doesn't go off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> There's nothing worse than that. Popping, popping an old uh, wine and, oh. and the corks in there. It happened at Christmas. It happened at Christmas time with the brother-in-law in Australia. I got into the wine fridge. I said, "They've got three bottles here. They're awesome." I went bang, bang. They're all done. Poured down the sink. I said, "It's all right. I got three more in the back." So oh. we had to go back into the reserves, but it's. It's shattering. Sorry, but back onto the subject. No, no. Well, no. On that subject, <laughs> my my nana gave me a, a a port when I was born, and uh, yep. I recently opened it. Uh, I'm 35 now, so uh, as I was opening it, the cork just shattered and went into the port. So here I am with but the, the bottom, sh- the bottom, the bottom half of the cork, or the whole cork. No, nah, the bottom half. Oh, well, you should be okay. Just got to get the tea strainer out. Just I, strain it out. Yeah, had the strainer out. And uh, I tell you what, gee, it was worth the wait. That was an, ama- an amazing, amazing port. But uh, I know what you're like. <laughs> so, yeah, back to it. Um, so your story starts as a pro back in 1997. Uh, you spent about, I think, six years on the Aussie tour, winning the Order of Merit in 2003. So where did on you grow the, up? In a, the Von Nida, yeah. The Von, the Von Nida tour. Yeah. The Von Nida tour at that yep. time. And so where did you grow up in Australia and, and first find the game? Oh, geez, mate. When you talk about grow up, um, so I'll just quickly go through it. I was born in Townsville. We moved to Darwin. Went from Darwin to, to um, Raymond Terrace, which is near Newcastle. We went from there to Melbourne, from Melbourne to the Northern Territory, from the Northern Territory in Catherine, back to Wagga Wagga. Oh, damn. Man, we, we've... I've, I've lived. I've lived in Melbourne twice. I've lived in Wagga Wagga, Raymond Terrace. I lived in uh, Bourne Townsville, lived in Northern Territory twice, and then back in Brisbane. So it was. My dad was in the Air Force. So I was very. I was very lucky. Mm, right. So that that was the idea of the moving. So where did you? How did you find the? Um, so golf was just something that came from every town. You were able to find a golf course and just keep practicing. What, yeah. what? I was. I was quite lucky because most of the. The uh, RAF bases had nine-hole golf courses. Oh, yeah. So 
I, oh, I've played up some, I've played on some absolute golf courses that people wouldn't even want to hit golf balls in practice. <laughs> I, I always find that always find it interesting when you know this this big uh, privilege thing that people are saying right now. You know, you're so privileged mm. because you do that. I said, well, if you look at my life, I came from military background, I played on golf courses which most people wouldn't even look sideways at when they're driving down the freeway. Mm. There's no privilege in my family. I mean, the only privilege I had was I was actually able to get out with a second-hand set of golf clubs that was a mix and match set, max, mix, mix and match set, mm. and then spend all my time to practice. So that was the only privilege that I had. And, you know, that's what I see when I see a lot of guys. When I lived in Melbourne and I was playing golf at uh, the RAF base at Laverton, and we had Richard Green and Stuart Appleby and Robert Allenby and all these guys were just absolutely killing it on the Ivo Witten events mm. down in Melbourne. I was playing this golf course, which, like I said, these guys wouldn't even look at it when they drove past it. And I all thought, well, these guys are playing at the, the upper echelons of the courses. And I, I, I felt a little bit intimidated. It was a little bit daunting when I went to try and tee up at an Ivo Witten event. But, you know, I think it was all for the better. Coming from the coming from the golf courses that, that weren't famous and were the so-called really blue-collar golf courses, to me, it feels like I've actually got something out of it. Yeah, and what what sort of what do you think you mostly got out of it? Was it just the grind of it? Um, you know, obviously, the course. bad bad lies, mate. Bad, bad lies, lies yeah. bad bad grass, bad greens, small greens, mm. courses that were were looked after by people volunteering to mow the fairways and the mm. and the greens and stuff like that. I, I just I wouldn't say doing it tough, but not playing on golf courses that were perfectly manicured. Where, when did you find that you could compete? So what age and, and so where did you find, okay, well, I, I feel like my game's getting to the point where I can turn pro. Where, where did you find that? Where was that? Um, when I was living in Melbourne, when I moved back to Melbourne for the second time, my dad took, we went for a trip back up to Wagga Wagga. So we drove up over the border, up to Wagga Wagga to play some, a pro-am. And uh, Neil Carey, a New South Welshman, he's a golf pro. I don't know if you've heard of Neil Carey, but he's, I think no, he's I haven't. maybe retired now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went, I was 17 at the time, and I went and played the Pro-Am, and I thought I was not too bad a player. I'd won club championship, junior championships, and B grades, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And played the Pro-Am, and I turned to my dad, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to become a golf pro. Because we stayed in the sergeant's mess at the in Wagga in the RAF base, and my dad was having a few beers, a couple of golf pros around, just having a chat. And here I am, just a young kid, looking at all that stuff. And I thought, well, this this would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? So yeah. that's what I wanted to do. And and did you look up to any players at the time, any professional players, or did you just feel like you loved the game and that's what I wanted to do as a career? Well, I'll say Wagga Wagga again because that's where I went from playing a lot of cricket and really started to focus on golf. And when I was going to St. Michael's school in Wagga Wagga, the, the boys' school there, every morning my mum would drop me off and I would walk to school and I'd walk past a news agency. And then if there was a new golf mag- Australian Golf Digest out or a golf magazine out, I'd always use my pocket money to buy the golf magazine. Mm-hmm. I'd read it all the time. And I saw like Woosnam, Langer, Valdo, Norman, and I'd always read the articles and a lot of stuff in there about that. So was, obviously the shark was somebody I looked up to because – at that stage, you know, 88, 89, 1988, 1989, he was, you know, the gun. Mm, dominating. 
dominating the world, the shark. It's uh, it's it's just isn't it a shame he didn't get a Masters and we can watch him every year because he'd be still playing. I'd say that yeah. tournament. So it's it that's what I because I'm 35. I got the sort of back end of his career and um, 96 still hurts a little bit. But to 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 know that Patrick Reed um, <laughs> is going back every year <laughs> and I yeah. can't see the shark yeah. play every year. It's uh, yeah. It kills me, but uh, yeah, he, he's definitely someone I looked up to, and, and with Tiger as well. But um, you know, yeah, sure. you know, the thing about the, the, the crazy thing about golf, and, and it's the beauty about golf, is it isn't necessarily the person who deserves to win wins <laughs> on certain weeks. It just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> and it, it's it's it, and from the viewer point of view, a personality is huge, and it's good for the game that there is some villains out there. So to speak, I think it's good for the game. It, it keeps it interesting and emotional, which I think is good. Yeah, it's quite it's quite funny when you say that because I get asked by by, by my mates who watch golf and they say, you know, who's the guy you don't like? Who's the guy you don't want to play with? Who's the guy mm. you want to play with? And I tell them, and they go, oh, I thought he was a good guy, or mm. oh, geez, I thought he was really bad. And it's just it's funny the perspective of the viewer looking in, and then us guys actually working and and knowing what those guys are actually like, and. Pete, the, the general the general golf fan wouldn't have a clue what a lot of these guys are like. Yeah, you're right. The media has a play in all this, don't they? They like to um, segregate things and put people against people. So uh, I know with uh, there's a friend of mine that went to the Presidents Cup recently in Australia when he was down there, and I know Bryson DeChambeau had a little bit of a interesting name and um, some not so good things were said about Bryson before that. But when he he actually saw him and he was there for longest signing autographs for kids, really interactive. And he said it was a really eye-opener to see the difference between what he perceived, you know, him to be as a person based on the media and what he actually is as a person. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about Bryson was I played with him once. I played with him at the Dubai Desert Classic. And ever since that time, every time I've seen, he remembers my name, he says hello, and he's mm. extremely polite. And mm. yet people have been absolutely pasting him saying that he's this, he's that and whatever, you know, it's just, like I said, what, 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 what mm. the people sitting there behind the desk on the golf things and whatever, whatever they say, people sort of, sort of sticks with them until you meet the person. Yeah. But I've always had, I've always heard that saying too. You don't want to ever meet your heroes because it seems to be always disappointing. Mm, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, now I was going to talk about Bryson a little bit later, but we're talking about now. So let's talk about now. I mean, um, you're, you're a pro- prolific hitter of the ball and you're known for that. You, you led the stat, actually, you, you mentioned 2004 and five when you're in the US, you actually led the long distance stat ahead of John Daly, Tiger Woods. So, I mean, you're a big hitter of the ball. Yeah, well, from what I, from what I watched the last, well, I mean, I watched Colonial last week. I didn't watch much of today because I was too busy doing stuff. But um, he, if you if you're watching hit a ball, it's like the long the long drivers. His left side clears out so quick. His left foot's turning. And okay, you know what? These long drive guys only have a really short career. I've played golf with the long drive guys, and I mean, let's let's face it, they hit the ball long for a reason. That that's they work out in the gym with specific muscles. They they get paid to do it. It's prize money in that. Mm. For the Shambo to be doing what he's doing, it may work. But I tell you, if he's a little bit off, it's going to be off the planet. And and it's not sustainable, is it? I mean, over 10, 15 years, is it sustainable? I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I, I personally wouldn't think so. But then again, the, the, the way the modern day prize money is, the way the tournaments are, if he has 
Well, he's going to have five good years. He can retire forever. That's just the way it goes. You know, it's no, there's no longer guys who want to have a 25, 20 year career. They're quite happy to play for five to seven years and they're done. Mm, I do feel he's good enough to win majors. Um, I feel like he's, he's got a few majors in him. Uh, like I said, he's smashing it out there, but it still comes down to a game of finesse. You're still going to have mm. the control. You're still going to be able to putt the ball. Mm. And, and the other reason why, if you look at the body shapes over the years of guys going into golf, now there's taller, stronger guys that are more scientifically matched up in their swings and their workouts and stuff, so they're getting more and more out of their golf. The track man, all this sort of stuff is adding to guys getting a bit more of this, 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 hitting it longer. The, the, big, the big improvement in golf, in my opinion, was the, the invention of the hybrid clubs. Mm-hmm. So guys that couldn't hit six, five, four, three, and two irons in the one iron, now they're back in the game. Mm. And that's why all these guys now that aren't great ball strikers can still get it around because they're 220 yards out, they pull out their hybrid, pop it on the green, they're such good putters, bang, it's in. Mm. Mm, that's right. That's where I think that's where I think the game's really improved more. Not not so much not so much the driver technology, maybe the ball technology, the ball doesn't move around as much, but the advent of the of the hybrid clubs has really made the game more playable for guys at the high level as well. Yeah, if you look at the stats too, the, the strokes gain stats, um, most of the guys um, that do really well are from you know, the 150 to 175 yards. So um, the longer club, if you get better at hitting the longer club closer, your rounds are going to be better, aren't they, overall? Yep. Well, now you just get the hybrid, just bring it in high, down soft, bang, there mm. it is. Before mm. you hit four run coming in, if you, if you weren't strong enough to, to get the nice crisp blow on the ball and hit it high, like, the shark used to hit just big, high, <laughs> peeling long eyes. It was unbelievable. Mm. Tiger did the same when Tiger came out. Now, now there's, everyone can do it because mm. there's no skill left in it anymore. Yeah, and the, the effortlessness that you sort of seem to have with your power, did you work on your power or was it just natural, your length? I've just been, I've just been lucky enough. I've been lucky enough to be quite flexible. Mm. Um, I guess I call it fast, fast twitch muscle fibers. Mm. And I've always been able to just get through the ball quite nicely and, and had pretty decent hand-eye coordination. Right. So literally you didn't work on it at all. It was just all natural. Oh, when I was taught to play golf, it was there's the ball, smash it. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's none of this tree line golf courses. Like there's, there's a fairways, there's a trees. Try and get it between those trees as hard as you can. Yeah, yeah. You know, I came from a cricket baseball background, played badminton and all that sort of stuff. So try and hit the ball just came mm. naturally. I start off hitting a big 50-yard slice because you're always trying to smash it so hard. But, you know, you can't teach someone to hit the ball long. Mm-hmm. It's got to be there. And it's nice to try and teach a junior at the start to just go out there and have no inhibitions and just go for it and then reel them in. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and the hand-eye coordination is huge because if you don't hit the middle, it's, you're wasting your energy, aren't you? <laughs> Especially when we used to use wooden woods. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. So the I mean, I'm, the, so, I'm so old. I used a wooden wood. I mean, that's you know, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Well, it it all helps when these 400 cc comes out, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it looks like a looks like a bloody coke can on the end of a stick. Yeah, I was I was using just a, a wooden three wood actually a couple of weeks ago playing locally here in Melbourne. And I had so much fun with it. I mean, it was yep. actually a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Keeping on I the saw plane. Jimmy and I saw Jimmy Walker last week at Colonial decided to go back to steel shaft. Uh, his driver in his bag 
and they were showing his stats. It was a very bad decision. <laughs> Just over the graphite. <laughs> That's right. Well, the the wooden three would have had a steel shaft in it too. So I was, yeah, I was I was struggling to uh, keep it straight. But geez, it was good fun. Well, it's a different feeling though. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you can get an old, old, if you can get the old golf ball and go out there and use an old golf ball, like the, an old pro trajectory or a, an old pro V, Ballada. or old Royal Maxwell or something, you just go and hit it, and you're just like, man, this would have been awesome back in the day. You get the old, the old fighter jet flight. Mm, mm. Starts shark. off low, rise up, and then just pop down. And now, now guys is launching it at fifteen degrees and watching it fly with mm. twenty one hundred RPM spin rate and flying three hundred and thirty through the air. That's right. Remember the shark hit it that hard and that high with that much spin that used to draw back thirty feet, forty feet every time yeah. he hit green. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I remember the back of the day when I bought. I had to go buy. I was I was looking in the newspaper when I was in Melbourne. I said to my dad, I've got to go buy this. I've got to go buy this. He says, what is it? I said, it's $300. Can you lend me $300? It was a set of two edition irons, a red two edition golf bag, and it was two dozen two edition golf balls. And I got them. And then a mate and I managed to get out to have a game at Yarra Yarra Golf Club in Melbourne. And we're playing mm-hmm. around there. And I was just, every club, I was trying to hit one club more and just rip it with the two editions off the greens. <laughs> It was awesome. It didn't matter how close it went. As long as it spun 25 feet, it was an awesome shot. That's right. Yeah, that's right. When, <laughs> and when you played locally with your um, local members and you spun it back 20, 20 feet, they loved it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Spin it back, spin it back 20, 20 feet, three putt, walk to the next go. Oh, that was an awesome shot. Yeah. You, <laughs> actually, it's flooding back um, the memories of that. The, the ball's got so much better that, um, yeah, you forget that you had to control that spin. You know, it's almost, you know. Yep. And then you, if you play, you play a short par four. You hit a wedge in there. You go to the next hole. You've, you've hit it in with your Tom Tom Watson tour grind wedge. You look at the ball. It looks like it's got someone's got a razor blade out and just cut it <laughs> down the side of the ball. You tee it up on the next hole. You just hear it going. <laughs> and and that, and that's the skill we're talking about, isn't it? The the ability to control your spin and, and all that sort of thing. So, are you a proponent of um, sort of bringing the ball back a little bit to increase the spin, or oh. do you just think it's just Whoever's look, good now is going to be good. I've, I've been asked that question umpteen dozen mm. times, and I still think the solution is rough that's an inch and a half long where the ball sort of just sits, just sits in it and just sits above it. Mm. Greens that are, that are firmed up, and the problem is is the shot in. So if a guy misses a fairway and he's in that rough, that isn't, don't need deep, deep rough. You just need that rough where it's unpredictable where a guy pulls a nine on out and they can go 180 metres or it can go 100 metres depending on the, the reaction out of the rough. That, that, that's what make golf, makes the golf so difficult. I mean, if you hit in long rough, you're just gouging it out anyway. Mm, mm, I think the ball right. should stay the same. I think the driver, driver technology is always going to change because people need to make money. Companies make money. There's shareholders. They want technology to go forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the you know you you spent most of your time since the two, mid two thousands in Asia and Europe. Um, your game seems to be built more for the US. I mean, uh, based on your your long hitting, you, know, you got nice hands. So was that by design, or do you think you still got uh, wants to sort of head over and and be where you live and and play on the PJ Tour, or how did that? Um, why have you spent so many so much time over there? I went the other direction that some most guys do, I went east of Australia when I turned pro. I went to Canadian tour. Mm-hmm. 
I thought if I want to try and play in the US, I'm going to go try and play the Canadian tour, get used to the grass. So instead of going to Europe and playing in Poana Greens and then crappy weather and in the cold, I came over to the North American side, played all these courses and then got my card here. And, you know, I managed to get my card. It wasn't my first attempt at, Q, at the Q school. It was my first attempt at the final stage of Q school. Mm-hmm. And then I made a few mistakes while I had my card. I didn't get to keep it like a solid exemplar. I had to go back to Q school and get it again. And then I had to go back to Q school again. And then I had it wrapped up until the last nine holes of, of the sixth round. And then I think I had something stupid, like 40, 40 odd on the back nine of the last round of Q school and just missed my card. So, I mean, I thought I wanted to be here. I wanted to play here. So that's how we mapped it all out to go and do that. Mm. And then obviously 2000, you're talking about 2006 where you've just missed your card. Is that 2006? Yeah. yeah. And then, well, I got injured in 2006. I got injured. So then I lost my status. I had, oh, yeah. I had nation, nationwide web.com status. I had a little bit of PGA tour status, mm. got injured. Couldn't play the rest of the season. Yeah. I was playing shocking. My kids were on the way. I had a few medical issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got di- I got diagnosed as apparently I was ADHD was ADD or ADHD, right? Whatever whatever it was I don't know they put me on medication and it totally messed me up. Wow! It took, it took me about four months, four five months to try and get it, to get that sorted, and then mm. went to another doctor and he said, "No, that's all bull crap, mate. You don't need that stuff." Yeah, that's so like attention deficit. Oh, they they reckon yeah. you had attention problems or something. Yeah, so, and then so I was like, shit. That that was a bit of a blur, and then I yeah. finally got over the injury. My kids came along in December two thousand and um, six, mm-hmm. and uh, I decided I have a crack at a Q school in December of two thousand six. Went over there, and a lot of the guys I knew were over there. Mm-hmm. Um, had no status anyway. Went there, got my Asian tour card, and you know from then on it's been off we go. Mm. Until I had the still had the operation on my thyroid, which was another issue, but. Um, mm. These things in life just come along the test us out, mate. You know, we all make mistakes. We all have these things, these trivial things. And unfortunately for me, I, I took some advice from, from a doctor who started taking this medication and it just totally, I mean, properly zoned me out. I just mm. wasn't there at all for a lot of months and it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, sorry to hear that, mate. Um, unfortunately, there's, I'm going through an issue now with my, my grandmother and there's a surgeon that decided to work on her back because she had back complaint. Two surgeries at 83. Turns out she had cancer. So waste of time. And look, I'm not bagging the medical profession. There's a lot of great people, but it's definitely worth getting second, third opinions on different things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I should have done that, but I didn't at the Mm. time. And we we thought that was... Well, you trust them, don't you? you Yeah. Well, what can you do? I mean... I'm a golf pro. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm right. nothing else. That's right. So, so let's just touch on your, your, your PGA tour there for two years. I mean, you, you had a couple of top tens or you took a couple of fi- top 15s. What was that experience yeah. like coming from Australia? That was great. I mean, I had a, I had a nightmare of a start, but I went out and um, I think I missed the first seven cuts in a row or eight cuts in a row. And then went to Doral, got an invite into, into Doral, played Doral, played all right. And I think that got me into the Bell South Classic and I actually had a chance to win the Bell South Classic where uh, Zach Johnson ended up winning and Mark Hensby finished in front of me as well and, and I finished third. But both those guys on the last hole nearly hit it in the water and if they both hit it in the water, I would have won the tournament. 
I was yeah. so close to hitting the water in the last hole. And I was like, but you know what? I can't complain because I finished third. I picked up yeah. 306,000 US dollars. And I was like, Huge. this is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. an awesome weekend, and from then on. So that the you said you missed the first seven cuts. Was was that um, a little bit of intimidation? Was it all new to you? New courses, new environment. What 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 do you can you put your finger on that? It was a long time ago. Um, I just think um, I was I was a I won't say young. I was a, a middle aged golfer. Mm -hmm. I was thirty. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd come from playing the Australian Tour and Canadian Tour. I think unlike the guys that come out of college, I wasn't mentally prepared for the, let's just say bullshit of the PGA tour, because that's what it is. It's just a big, it's just a big confetti show. It's just all light, lights and mirrors, smoke and mirrors, because all it is really, it's just golf tournaments. There's a lot more people around there. I mean, the guys come out of college already prepared for it. You've got to think I'd be a bit more selfish. You've got to, you've got to just, I think there's only you out there. I, I, I wasn't brought up like that. So I struggled in that area to to really think about just being totally selfish. And I think that did sort of hurt me in a way because mm. I just let a lot of lot of outside things get to me. But that's just inexperience. Going go into that a little bit further, is it like dog eat dog? Is it literally just no one gives a shit about you? You just you're over there and you're in you're sort of alone feeling. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, I felt I felt like it was a really fake, it was a really fake place. Okay. Yeah. Because because people, you know, they're saying one thing, but it seems like they're thinking another thing. And and I would say something, and people would get really shitty with me because it's like, you know, there's no filter. I'm mm -hmm. going to tell you what I think, and they don't like it. So yeah. you say something, and they're like, well, you know, you can't really say that. And I'm like, right. why not? It's true. You know, so. It's a totally different attitude coming from Australia where mm, mm. You know, most guys, we say whatever we say and then that's just the way it is. So they were taken aback totally by different. the big Aussie coming in and saying what he wanted to say. Oh, oh you know, I'm not going to... Like, guys are having a go at me, oh, you're wearing spikes and tell them to piss off. Yeah, you know? okay. Just, 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 just yeah. little things, guys niggling about stuff instead of you just sitting there going, like, oh, yes, well, yeah, i got spikes and I probably shouldn't. I'm like, no, oh, mate, bad luck. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I know Alkington had the same issue, didn't he, with Steve? Where he, <laughs> I think he pulled out a few tournaments because the course wouldn't let him use spikes. <laughs> yeah, it got, it got to that stage. At, at, at one stage with uh, spike, it was the soft spike brigade came in and the spikes, you know, I think that's the biggest, it was one of the best brainwashing things ever. That mm. spikes are bad for the golf course. They're not bad for the golf course. Soft spikes are what's bad for the golf course. That's what's mm. bad. So, so do, you, do you, so you've had to change now or do you still wear where you can? Uh, uh, in Japan, they still have a rule in some tournaments. You can't wear spikes. Mm. Um, oh, look, I'm not one to wear spikes in the clubhouse anyway. I'll take yeah. my, I, 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 even when I was at the golf club, I'd take my shoes off to walk into the spikes bar or I'd go to the car, change my shoes, come back in with proper shoes on. I mean, mm. I, I know there's a few guys on the European tour that still wear spikes on marble floors and wooden floors, but they're of an older elk and... I don't really mm. get on with those those people. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Now, do you work with a golf coach still, or did you ever work with a golf coach when you were younger? Um, talk talk uh, about I your worked, development. I worked, I worked with um, Charlie Earp for a fair while when I was in mm -hmm. Brisbane, and I worked with Chris Chaplin, who's still in Brisbane. And from then on, just do it myself. I mean, coming through the the, the PGA system and and 
playing golf for long enough to sort of know what my weaknesses are and know what I've got to work on. That's just just how I try to survive. I don't try and change anything. I just try and work on my weaknesses and then improve my strengths. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. So you're able to understand y- your own game and your own mental about how to prepare for a tournament and that's how you sort of yeah. roll. I think I think mentally I probably should <laughs> I probably should work with someone mentally, but I don't because I'm, it's just the way I am. But um, mm. uh, swing wise, I've pretty much got it down in my, in my I know myself. I've got three keys that I've got to work on, and, and that's pretty much how I look at it. Did Did a coach help you with that, or did you figure that out yourself? The three I just keys. figured that. It's just been my, it's just been my trait. My, it's just been my fault over the years that. Mm-hmm. You know, it always seems to be the same thing whenever I get my wife or, my, or TC to stand on the range and film a few swings I go same fault again you know just same fault again just it's just one of those things where I always fall, to, fall into the same fault and, and what's gotta, the what's the fault what's the fault in your swing well usually po- posture your mm-hmm. posture is bad or posture alignment and then just just the rhythm mm-hmm. you know so if the rhythm's out sometimes you you're a little bit quicker. You're just pulling it on the inside or your posture. Your knees are too bent. You're slashing over the ball. You get steep on it. You know, just, just really simple things like that. And you'll hear Adam Scott talk about a lot, a lot. He, he works on posture a lot in his swing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple other guys, you know, it's just the really small things when you've been playing for a long time that you just got to keep an eye on. Yeah. Do you, do you like moving the ball in tournaments to flags or do you have a stock shot? Do you like to sort of to play with, or is it depending on how you warm up every day? It depends on the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're out there on the range and, and it's all, I've always, the greats have always said, you know, I've always heard the greats talking about it. I arrived at the golf course. I've been practicing mm. for weeks. I got on the range that morning. I was teeing off in 40 minutes. I'm hitting the two yard fade. Well, you're not going to get on the first hole of a day and, and, and sit there and aim for a draw when you hit the two yard fade on the fairway. Play with what you got on the day and mm-hmm. then go and work on it. There's no point getting on the course and fighting what you got. You've got to try and use what you've got to your advantage. And then if it's a tight pin, don't have big ego. Just play away from the pin. Mm-hmm. You, you might hold a 20-footer. Well, it, well, it's worked for you. 18 career wins so far. And in, the, in your experience in those sort of wins that you've had, is there one way to win a golf tournament? Or is there a theme? Or is there a new story every time you have a win? Oh, there's plenty of... That's a great thing. There's plenty of ways to win a tournament. We're not all Tiger Woods who could run away for twelve shot, twelve shot win, you know, in, in major championships. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you're four shots behind. You shoot sixty five, and that guy shoots seventy two, and you win. Sometimes you're one shot ahead, and you're out there through nine holes. They're all everybody's catching you, and then you finally you finally catch on fire, and you end up winning by two or three shots. Sometimes you're in a playoff. Sometimes you've got to. Someone's already got it in the house. You've got four holes to play. You're trying to make a birdie. You par the last four holes, you're in a playoff. You know, it's, it, 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 it's so exciting. And for me, I find it thrilling. And it's what I love. And, you know, I, I get a real, real high out of it all the time. I, I, I like mm. the, the adrenaline. I like the excitement of, of, of that sort of happen, happening. I, I don't like losing playoffs. Mm-hmm. So when I won the playoff in when we when TC and I went to the playoff in Malaysia, I said, "Look, I've got to win this one because I've just lost the last two playoffs I've been in, so third time lucky." Mm. That's how I looked at it. I tried to look at it positively that way, and we ended up winning that playoff. Yeah, yeah. You talked about the Amiga, wasn't it? The European Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, yeah. Year, two years in a row, I lost the playoff there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And how did you, did you feel like there was a bit of luck or was it just, how did you deal with the pressure? Could you have dealt with it differently in those two circumstances or Uh, was it just golf? Not with Alex. Alex, Alex, when Alex beat me the first time he rolled in like a, 25, 30 footer for birdie. Mm. Second time when, when I was in the play for Matt Fitzpatrick, mm. um, you know, I, also I should have won it. I misread a putt. I hit the putt exactly. The, I stroked the ball exactly where I wanted to. The putt went right to left. I thought it was, I thought it was a quarter cup left to right. Um, I'd watched, I played with Marcus Fraser in the last round and I, I thought I saw him putt from the same spot, but he was actually, on the clock, he was putting from about about nine nine o'clock, and I was putting from about eleven. So my angle was slightly different, and I thought the ball went left to right, but this is like a, this just a little ridge where the hole was, and I just totally misread it, and I fell into the trap that I watched a playing partner hit it in real time, and I mm. messed up. Well, the was that that was the first playoff hole, wasn't it? You're talking about that you had the putt to win. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. And, yeah. and, and so coming back from, from that and coming back from those defeats in playoffs and where you, you felt like you probably should have won, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that in the aftermath, like straight after the tournament? Do you berate oh, yourself? Was, do you have a drink? No, no, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. And then that same year, I was even more gutted when I didn't get the pick for the President's Cup team. Um, mm. And I spoke to I spoke to Jason Day, Mark Leishman, and Adam Scott, and those boys thought I probably should have got a pick for the Presidents Cup team that year as well, and I didn't get didn't get in the Presidents Cup team, so I was, you know, I was I was I was pretty gutted. It took me a fair while to get over all that stuff. So that was 2016, wasn't it? That was you won yep. the Order of Merit in Asia, and yep. um, did did you? I think was it was it Price that was the captain. Yeah, Nicky. I spoke to Nick Price at the Bridgestone, the Bridgestone Invitational at Firestone, and he actually said to me, "You know, we've got a couple of guys I want to pick. You're one of them. If you play well enough, I'd love to pick you." So, head to head with those two guys, hands down, played better than them for that for, for the time he was looking at. And then he came back to me and he said, "I've gone for two guys with a bit more experience than you." And I went, I sat there and went, "Well, what can you say?" I mean. The, 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 the international captain says he's gone for guys with a bit more experience than you. And mm. I mean, what more, what more experience do you need? That's all I was thinking. But you know what? The captain's but, a captain. The captain's got to make a hard choice. Who was the two guys? Andy Barnley-Heary and Emilio Gorillo. Gorillo, I mean, it, <laughs> how's he got more experience than you? I don't know. It, I, I, I think you can look at it a bit more like this. Maybe he just talk shit. It, Maybe he was... Well, well, yeah, but the thing is, the international team is not going to win a President's Cup when it comes down to pressure of TV ratings and picking someone from a country to right. get TV ratings. Right. Not to say that not to say that either one of them didn't deserve to be picked, but what I'm saying mm. is, mm. you cannot beat America if you're purely picking teams for TV ratings. Mm. Yeah, Simple as that. I know what you're saying. I've seen some picks in the past. I mean, even Tiger's picked himself you know, you, you, as a coach. You know, like as a captain, you know that that's just has to happen, don't you? I mean, yeah, for, yeah. For, for the TV rights. I mean, he yeah. played well, clearly. And he's, he's one of the oh, best yeah. of all time. But yeah. he, as a captain, you'd, you'd understand if he didn't pick himself. Yeah. Well, 
I, he's a guy that I want in the team all the time because he, he's a guy mm. that, I mean, people say they're not afraid of him anymore. Mm. But you can't tell me you're standing on the first tee, turning up against Tiger Woods, that you're not sort of, you Intimidated. know, there's not a little bit of squeeze coming out the back. <laughs> got to be. Have you have you had the have you had the chance to uh, play with him or in practice rounds? Or play I haven't. I have. I have not. I know him because a friend of mine went to school with him. Oh yeah. And I, I know him to talk to him or whatever. But I've never had the. I've never played well enough to be able to play with him because when he was absolutely just killing us all. Mm. If you weren't in the last four groups on a weekend, you didn't get to play with Tiger anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So in, in no, is two thousand four and five when you're over there. Um, how many you played some tournaments with him? Was it just a. What was it like um, when when you're on? Were you around him in the same side of the draw and the crowds? Yeah. Was it just a different experience? Yeah, it's just you can, like everyone says, you can tell a Tiger cheer. Mm. The Tiger Tiger roar on the golf course, or when you're on mm. the putting green and the Tigers having a putt. Well, if there's a thousand people around the green, you know that nine hundred and ninety of them are watching Tiger. I mean, mm. there's got to be ten ten other people that have got that are friends and relatives of the other players. Mm. So everyone's watching Tiger anyway, and you just and you just see you know, he putt to a hole, and he was always just in his zone doing thing. But that was that was Tiger version one. Tiger Tiger version two now seems to be more of a warm sort of guy. Says a lot of people. Mm. Okay, he's quite focused, but he's just seems like a different person when he's at the golf course until he gets on the course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a killer, isn't he, out there? Um, yeah, well, based on your stats and, and your career thus far, you, you almost feel, I almost feel like you're in your prime. Would you, would you feel that? or? Well, if we're talking about wine drinking, I think I'm getting close. <laughs> I don't know about the golf. I mean, the golf, golf you know, I, I, I see myself playing golf until I'm in my 70s, I hope. So, mm. yeah, well, if you look at it that way, yeah, maybe I'm just sort of approaching the... Uh, the, the Second third of my career. Yeah, yeah. Well, 2016, Order of Merit winner. Um, you, you started winning uh, European Tour events, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. But, you know, the last couple of years have a little, been a little bit slower. Um, what do you put that down to? Just clubs. Clubs. I... I tried to change clubs because I thought I had a set that was worn out and I had the wrong shafts and the new set of clubs and just there's all varying factors, you know, just uh, changing of caddies and then my caddy came back and then all these, all the little things add up to a big thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you mess around with, with a, with a proven formula that wins, it's the same as if you look at an AFL, if a team's got a formula that wins, they start messing around with it, they end up losing. You've got to go back to what works and then just try to refine what works. Yeah, I noticed that when I talk to a lot of tour players, um, they, they do mention that when they try to improve, um, they do tend to go backwards or things don't seem to work out. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a human nature thing, isn't it? When you, okay, I won an order of merit, I'm winning tournaments, I want to get better, I want to get better. And it's just a human nature thing to want to get better. So how do I do this? I need to change my caddy, I need to, I might have to change my swing at a certain point. And as, yeah, as you said, sometimes that can have a negative effect on your game. Yeah. Well, also I had a bit of a, like a, a bulging disc in my back. I did that. I flew from, um, and what I flew from Qatar 
to play New Zealand Open and I lost my clubs and I went down to the golf club and I grabbed a couple of guys' clubs and I was hitting balls in the range and I felt my back tweak. Mm. And then I ended up getting MRI. I had to have five weeks off. Mm. So then after that happened, my driver broke. So the head cracked in my driver. So it was just just a continuation of just, like I said, Mm. you know, 20 odd years of playing golf is a long time. But Mm -hmm. if you break it down to where things go wrong, it's only a small piece of the 20 years. But mm. people look at it as like, geez, you're having a bad year this year. You're having a bad six months. Mm. Well, you might think that, but when I look at it, how long a stretch I've been playing golf for, it's only a little slither of what's going on. Mm. You've got to look at it in that way. And things are going to improve because TC and I work so hard to try and get that Malaysian, the Maybank Malaysian Championship win. Mm. We just worked, worked and worked and practiced and practiced. And that's what it comes down to, mate. And, and if you're not a fighter and you give up easy, like I mm. said, if you don't like travel and you get homesick and you don't want to fight for it, just go and get a job doing something else. Mm. You're not going to be a golf pro. You're not going to be a professional professional athlete. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, you got to have that grind, don't you? Mm-hmm. You got to love being out there by yourself for mm. five, six hours on the range in the heat, hitting balls. You got to you got to find something that you enjoy about that. I mean, mm. I've always said they had the goldfish mindset. You. Try not to scar up. You go around the bowl once, you forget what's happened there, and then you just start again. Mm. The TC's your caddy. You mentioned long-term caddy. Did you did you mention you had a little break from him and he came back? Is that right? Yeah, we had a, about eleven months eleven months break. He went and caddy for Sam Brazel for a little bit. Okay, and then he went. And then he came back, and uh, I asked him to come back about eleven months after we we separated. Yeah, and we said, "Oh, let's just let's start with a clean slate." difficulty with a player caddy relationship is you nearly spend more time with your caddy than you do with your family. Mm, mm. So you can imagine the dynamics of like a husband wife relationship. Mm, mm. You get on each other's nerves. You're there all the time with each other. It's just going to happen. So sometimes you just need a little bit of a break in the workplace and then start it all off again. Go look, look, listen, whatever we said before, we're just going to clean the slate, say it didn't happen. Let's just start again. We're good mates. We know what's going on. We know how to do this. So let's just get on with it. And that's yeah. Just, yeah. Do. So yeah, that's, that's a good point, isn't it? Where you, you just feel like you need a bit of a fresh air, fresh start. And, but did you realize that the grass wasn't greener and you had a good thing with, with TC on the bag? I don't think it was, it was a matter of the grass, the grass was green on the other side. There was, there was nothing to do with that. It's just got mm. to a point where we had so much time together and I play a lot of golf. Mm. So and he's married as well. So he's got a wife that wants to see him. Mm. I mean, my wife, she comes out to the tournaments and brings the kids with her. So I get to see them. But if you can't always bring your spouse to the tournaments and you're away traveling everywhere, I mean, it, it's not a luxurious life for a caddy by any means or a player if he's playing bad. So sometimes the bit of stress goes along with things and you just need a break. You need to see something different. Mm. And then, and then you get back together, and you know, bang, you're off again. That's just, just the way it goes in the, in this sport. How important is a good caddy? Oh, it's extremely important. You need someone who's going to stand up and actually say something. You mm. don't want a yes man. You want someone who's going to be honest. And that's that's what I see. That's what TC and I get on quite well because, you know, we tell each other how it is. It's black and white. There's no grey area, and that's that's what we appreciate about each other, and that's why we get on really well and. And do the job properly because you don't need you don't need any bullshit. Mm. Because if someone Mm. just wants just someone just wants to feather you with just 
blows smoke up your backside, then it's not going to work. It's, mm. I'm not that personality. I don't appreciate that sort of stuff and neither does he. So that's, that's why it works. And you, you touched on the, is the Maybank that you work so hard for um, that tournament. Is that your, your sort of proudest win? Is that, is that the biggest tournament you've won you feel? Oh, it's the biggest tournament I won, but the biggest tournament I thought of one is the Queensland Open. To win the State Open is the one that I'm, I'm really proud of, is to win my State Open. And then mm. the next one I'm proud of is the Hong Kong Open. And then obviously the Maybank is a, is a very big tournament to win as well. But uh, the Queensland Open and the Hong Kong Open are the two, two tournaments that really stick with me for a long, well, well for, forever. Yeah, and and Maybank, what did you do well in that in that week that got you over the line? Oh, I just drove it well. Started to drive it well, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, I was I was three, four, five under, and I wasn't holding any putts. And then um, come the weekend, I started just holding a few putts, and then come out Sunday, I just it just happened. I was five under through nine holes, I think, and made up all the shots on the leader and then it was an interesting finish to the tournament with the, the storm delay and then the playoff and then him holding a million foot putt to get into a playoff and then it was it was just very exciting and and, and uh, you know it, oh, I'm sort of I'm, like I say I'm speechless about it because it was just one of those things where we just worked I, I hit so many balls I just yeah. I just lost my last two playoffs that I've been in it was mm-hmm. my third one, so I sort of took the adage of third time lucky. You, you got to try and pull the positives out of it. Yeah, for sure. And have you have you changed in the way you approach the back nine of a Sunday if you're in contention from when you first started out to uh, after all these wins? Have you what have you sort of gauged and learnt out of yourself and how to perform at your best when the pressure's at its highest? Uh, I depend a lot on TC in that way because sometimes. Depending on the mood of the day, if you look at the leaderboard, you can get into a false sense of either security or a false sense of wanting to chase too hard. So I depend on TC and I can, when I'm just playing, he tries to find out what's going on, looks around and then goes, okay, we've got to go at this pin. Now, when I hear him saying we've got to go at this pin when it's a tight pin, I know that we've got to try and chase someone down because if, if the pin's cut, say, four on four from the right and we're on the we're on the 14th hole and he's going, mate, just play 20 feet left of it. Then I know we're, we're either in front or we're right there. There's no need to go at it. So I just gauge mm-hmm. what he says in that way. So you're not a leaderboard watcher? Well, I do watch leaderboards for sure. Yeah. But whether, when it comes to putting the foot on the accelerator to try right. and go at it, mm-hmm. I depend on him to say it to me. Mm. And he knows your game so well and what skill skill level you have and what you're doing for that week and that, that day. It's so important. Well, I've always, I've always said I'm, I'm the type of person that wants to try and bludgeon a golf course to death. He's a mm. tactitional golfer. He, he plays, he's a very tactitional player. He plays spot to spot, whereas I just mm-hmm. try and smash it, go find it. Yeah. So it's a good mix. Yeah. So we can both meet somewhere in the middle and it's usually a good way to go. And yeah, nice. Sounds good, man. Um, I want to, well, congratulations on the win, by the way. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> I want to do a little, just to finish, I want to do like a then and now a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, because yep. you've spent 23 years of your career. So um, you've, you've gone through a lot of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm interested um, in how the following's changed in your mind. So 
your golf game, how has it changed from when you first started your first year to now? How would you, would you gauge your golf game? How would you describe the difference? It's a bit more, a bit more measured and a bit, a little less temperamental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 my temperament has got much, much better. And, right. and, um, the, the golf has settled down a lot, a lot. So would you ruin, ruin golf tournaments back in the day? Would you, would you literally? Oh let yourself... yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd come out and I'd be in, I mean, that's what I do. Sometimes I used to do those things headless with Hendy because a lot of the guys <laughs> I know, know that I was just like, I was just like a, a beaner, you know, just lose the bean. I'd right. come out and three putt the first half of a golf tournament and think that oh, the tournament's over. This is it. I'm done. Right. No. So, but, so you used to depend on a hot start to do pretty well. Now you're pretty. Now you're well, pretty. Oh yeah. But, but now I'm like, oh well, I bogey the first three of the first four holes, and that's just the way golf is. You know, yeah. I might be able to birdie the next four coming out. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, preparation for a golf tournament. How's that changed for you? The week of. Yeah, the week of. Yeah. My my preparation when I'm at the golf course is the same. When I'm off, when I'm, when I'm on the practice fairway here, I try to practice here how I warm up. So if I go to the golf course and practice here, there's not every day I'll sit down and hit two, three, four hundred golf balls. I might go down and hit two bags of balls, go and chip, go and putt, just like I'm going to go to the tee. Okay. When yep. I'm at the tournament week, do the same thing. I'm trying to do my little 45 minute warm up thing before I play. So. I just do sort of things like that. I'm not the sort of guy that says, I've got to hit 10 wedges. I've got to hit four, four lines. I've got to hit. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I just get out there and swing a club, hit it and go out there. I might hit one driver. If it comes off good, that'll do. I might hit 20 drivers. There's no set number of balls to hit. Did, did you change that from when you first started? Or was that similar how you did it no, back then? It's just, this, just how I did it. Because when I, when, I, when I started playing, we played Troppo. Sometimes we only had 10 practice balls. Yeah, that's right. Playing pro-ams. That's why I so only had nets sometimes. Hit 10, <laughs> hit 10 balls, I'm, off we go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. And golf's so fickle that way. I mean, sometimes I spoke to uh, another guy, uh, Daniel Pierce. He won the Queensland PGA Championship a couple of years mm-hmm. back. And I asked him about his preparation per, for the days. And he said he just hit a few in the net on the Thursday. I think he shot like six or seven under. So he just did the same thing the next day because he's like, well, I'm not changing that. So he did a few more on the net. Well, and I'll tell you. The whole week, he didn't go to the range. Well, the, the funny thing is, I'll tell you, what happens when you're on the way to the golf course and the traffic's bad and you get, you get held up in the traffic? What do you do? I mean, if you're the sort of guy that sits there and goes, okay, I've got to practice for 45 minutes before I tee off. Mm. Well, what happens if you can't? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be prepared for that mentally and physically. Go, okay, I can hit ten balls and go. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can practice for forty-five minutes, or I can go on the putting green, do a few stretches, and, and tee off. Mm. Sometimes it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. So you, you need to adjust your warm-up procedures and your practice in that way. In my opinion. Yeah, and in your we're talk about theme and your wins. It, was there a theme mentally going into that week for your wins, or is it literally not quite like that? Well, sometimes just don't blow up. 
mm. know, just just try and be happy. Yeah. So, I mean, even when you're not playing a golf tournament in the seven days of the week, try and be happy every single day. For me, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a sense here's my wife laughing at me there you go <laughs> so so is there a sense of calmness about the week is there or, or, or a happiness in, in your um, life i don't know i don't know about i don't know about that i mean I, I always feel i always feel calm when i don't feel nervous and i don't feel a bit of adrenaline then i get worried some weeks are sharp and we're walking with the first test and i feel a bit nervous he goes awesome that's good that's what i want to hear because mm. then it means it seems like it's easy for you to get into the mindset of properly concentrating and getting on with the job. Mm-hmm. When you don't feel nervous and you feel really calm, you seem to just wander off everywhere and your mind wanders and you're not thinking about what you're doing and you don't mm. seem to focus properly. So it's nice mm. to be a little bit nervous and mm. it means you still care about the game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then and now, uh, still on this theme, talent on tour. How has that changed since when you first come out to now? Is there a lot more talent out there? Um, there's a lot of young, there's a lot of really, really, I think, I think when you say talent on tour, I'll say that the talent has changed from being an older vintage player age to the guys now that are 21, 22, 20. They're, they're, when, when, when you say the talent, I mean, they're more prepared. There's mm-hmm. always been talent, but having talent and being prepared to compete is the difference. Mm-hmm. They're much better equipped now and, and prepared to challenge for, for trophies and they're not scared of anything now. So I think I call that talent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're, they're ready to win straight away, whereas back in the mm-hmm. day, it, it might have been intimidating for a few years to get to, <laughs> to, get to the yeah. point where you can win. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I used to say. They, was, they always used to go... Oh, you know, he's not in his prime until he's 32, 33. Mm. I mean, mm. these guys are in their prime when they're 23. Mm. There's that, uh, who's that Korean guy? Um, oh, I can't remember his name now on the PJ. You've got to look out for him. What's he's, his leading name? The, uh, he's leading the FedEx Cup. Oh, gee whiz. I, I can't, you know what, I can't remember his name. But um, uh, he's not afraid of anything either. Not afraid of anything. Spieth, nope. what, he came out, just went bang. Um, yeah, Dang. Spieth struggles. Spieth ball. The, the thing is, Spieth putting, when, when he came out and was winning everything, he'd just look at something under 30 feet and hold it. Mm, mm. And you know, his putting and went off wedges. the boil a little bit. Yeah, that, that's starting to... I don't know what happened there, but it's starting to come back a little bit. But, mm, uh, mm. you know, even he said the other day, he just wants to get out there and enjoy the game a bit more and actually play golf instead of being so miserable. That's, yeah, he he's another character I like listening to. He's a really honest guy and... and, and I learned a lot off listening to what he has to say about the game too. He's 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 got a really old head on his young shoulders, isn't he? Well, I'd like to see him mic'd up playing though, because he doesn't shut up. It's like a Patrika. <laughs> you look at him, he hits a shot. He just looks like he just keeps chirping to his caddy the whole time. I'd like to know what he's saying. I'd like him to put a mic on him and just for the whole round in the tournament. Yeah, well, yeah. Talk on that because I feel like that's the that's the new new future of the game isn't in telecast i mean i think the younger generation want to get more involved in what's happening out there yeah but the golf channel was doing that with the canadian tour back in 2002 they'd pick three players and we would be mic'd up and and go play it's not it's not a new a new thing obviously Mm. technology's got better Mm. and 
the players have to be more mindful now that the way sponsorship dollars are going and the way the tournaments are, you need to somehow progress into things like that and, and, and possibly put yourself out there two or three weeks a year and be mic'd up to play. That's just the way it's got to go. Mm, would you like doing that? Would you mind doing that? It doesn't, it doesn't worry me at all. Mm. I, I could do it. It doesn't, it, it's like I said, the way, the way new, like little mics and everything's much lighter now and it's no big deal. Yeah. And what else do you think could help enhance the game for new, new people coming to the game? Sometimes when you watch the telecast, we know because we see it all the time. So a guy like, um, he won the Memorial last year. Oh my goodness. Oh, anyway, one one of the, one, the guy who won the Memorial last year, mm. he'd stand there and the, and the, the TV would go bang. Okay. This is him right now. Mm. And I sat there and went, that's like a third of his pre-shot routine. They've, they've, they're cutting into where he's about to do it. Mm. All this other time, he's and he's just scratch your head and he's yeah. go. If the TV actually showed him from the start to when he hits the ball, everyone would be sitting there going, "Just hit it!" <laughs> right. But that's where the rules were letting down. So if you were playing with him and mm. you hit your shot within thirty seconds from the start to the finish, you had to sit on the side, cross your arms, and go through all that. And he wouldn't get fined or warned for being slow because you're fast. That's where the yeah. rules have let down the fast player. Now you can be timed at, now they can be put on the clock at any time in the round, whether you're in position or out of position, because the slower players were taking advantage of the faster players. Now you have a time frame. You have to hit your shot, whether mm. you're in position or out of position. So it's Perfect. trying to make sure these guys speed up and do the right thing. I like what they used to do in Australia when the draw came out. The four, the four slowest players were always in the last two groups. The <laughs> fastest players were in the first groups. And they went, bad luck, mate. If, yeah, you can't, if, you can't, if you can't get finished, it's your fault for being slow. Hold a t- they should have a tournament one day where you get 15 seconds to hit every shot. That's it. 15 seconds. And they have a guy walking around with you and he goes, right, bang. If you don't hit within 15 seconds, you get done straight away. Like make a little yeah. speed golf thing. It's funny. A lot of players might get better and a lot of players might go the other way. <laughs> Some some of the some of the slow players actually get better because they don't think as much. Mm, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. Rip and hit. I like your attitude, mate. I, I don't. You know, people say the game takes too long. I mean, I'm I'm the sort of guy who likes test cricket. I think I think because it goes such a long time, it, it's a it's a, a war of of attrition mm-hmm. and and your mental toughness. I mean, you know, 2020 is like playing the the golf sixes just to get out there, smash it and have a bit of fun. When you're mm. playing test match cricket, it's more of a skill and a, and a mentality, a mm. mental set that you have to have to try and win, to win a five day match or a, or a full round tournament. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. So, you know, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta keep those traditions in place. Absolutely. And I think the, tr- the pro tracer and, and the numbers and, and I think if you can just mic up a few play, players, every, like, you know, some of the marquee players, I don't think we can do much more to enhance. I think that would be pretty cool to watch in a living room. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only thing, the only thing I can see to bring more people back to golf or keep playing golf, there's two things. Uh, one amateur dress code. Maybe they could loosen it up a little bit. Some clubs I'm not talking about wearing singlets and stubbies and thongs. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, yeah, still 
dressed appropriately, mm. but also the use of the broomstick putter, the longer putter, I think should be allowed in, in, in amateur golf because we yeah. have these, the, the, the older guys, retired guys, or people that have sporting injuries, have bad backs and whatever, and they should have just, in my opinion, they should have just totally banned the long putter for professional golf and then just left the amateur golf game, game alone. Off you go, guys. You do it for the enjoyment of the game. Yep. I'm, I'm a massive proponent and have been for a long time of having two different rules for amateurs and professional golf. I, I, I just I can't work out why they're the same. I, 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 and, and that is a prime example. The long yep. brooms. I mean, why would you change? Why would you inhabit someone who 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 needs that to play the game and change Correct. that? I, I, for what reason? I just don't yeah. understand. And then and then and then you've got another you've got another issue. Why would you make someone drop a ball at knee height? Yet, <laughs> yet not make it Sandfield Divid G U R. I mean, sorry, but I mean, if you say drop the ball anywhere from hip height down to your knee, because some people can't get down to their knee. It's just plain and simple. Some people just, you know, just. Did I drop that at the right height? No, mate, that was two inches above your knee. And then you hit it into a sand-filled divot or you hit it into a divot that hasn't been filled with sand. If you make them sand-filled divots as a free drop, it encourages everybody to look after the golf courses. Mm, yeah, 100%. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you can't drop. You dropped it there for hundreds of years and now you can't do that anymore. I just I don't understand the thinking behind it. Well, the plain, plain is simple. The reason they, they stopped from shoulder height was because guys like us, when we drop the ball, we drop it on a place to make sure it bounces forward. So now when you drop it from knee height, the ball won't bounce as far, roll as far, so you can't get as much relief yeah. as what well you wanted. Exactly. Well, another reason why you'd have two different rules, two different sets of yeah. rules. I mean, what's, who cares? So Saturday afternoon at Eastern Golf Club. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you, come, once you come a professional, you should, you should know what your rules are anyway. You know? yeah. I would hope you do. I would hope you do. I've come across a lot of guys that don't, but mm. I'd, I would hope you do. Um, okay. Uh, golf course setups from then until now. Any much change in, in terms of the way the golf course is set up in golf tournaments? Or is it just the length well, think, of the course? I think, I think especially in Australia, the greens have got much, much softer. Okay. I mean, you, you think back when we played Victoria Golf Club at the Australian Open and they called the – and Rich Bean was there and they made the greens – ridiculously hard and fast from then in Australia, you play a tournament, all the greens are soft. They're not really hard. They're not super fast anymore. They got scared. You come over to America to play uh, in general, greens are all soft. It's like a dartboard. Just throwing darts mm. until mm. you get to a US open and then they're firm. Mm. But most of the time the greens are soft. Fairways are pretty soft. The rough is just, Oversown right over like oversow grass with so you just taking mm. a nice divot out of. Um, I think the courses have got a little longer because some new courses have opened up, been designed to open up. Mm. And then, what about the majors? You've played a few majors now, unfortunately, you haven't played the masters yet. Fingers crossed for you, no. you can still get into that, mate. But, I doubt um, that as well, but anyway, it was <laughs> oh, mate, never, never know. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah ha- what about the course setup when you went to the majors? Was that just a huge difference in the way they've set up the majors? Um, yeah, uh, the US Open was, was, was interesting because the greens there were firmish and the rough was so so. Uh, unfortunately, the PGAs that I played, the um, with the exception of Quail Hollow, it, it well, even Quail, Quail Hollow rained. It absolutely tipped it down, and mm. and I thought the management the management of the golf tournament was uh, 
less than satisfactory, shall we say, when they made us come back the next day to finish off. I, I missed a cup by shot, but um, it'd been pouring down all night. We came back to play the last four holes and there was worm husks all over the fairways. They didn't even decide wow. to drag a, drag a hose up the fairways to get rid of the worm husks. And if you've ever seen worm husks on a golf course, it's not much fun on the fairway. All it is, the worms just push up all the mud and your ball's mm. sitting up against the mud and stuff and you get the ball going all over the shop. And I went in and let the PGA of America know my thoughts. They didn't have lift cleaner to replace? Nope, because we're already already in the middle of playing around. Oh. So we had four holes to go. And, uh, you know, it's it's quite disappointing. I, I ended up missing, missing the cut by a shot, but... Obviously, I could have made a shot up somewhere else, not those last four holes, but it's just frustrating that we had to come back and put up with that sort of crap where you think it's a, it's a major mm, that the other... Yeah, you know. do something. What year was but that? There's just, uh, it was in Justin Thomas one. Around Quail Hollow. Was that about... Uh, 16? Yeah, okay. Same year, yeah, because I just finished top 10 in the in the Firestone and then I went to the PGA the following week and missed cut by a shot. And then went to the Olympics. How was that? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. Yeah, one nice. Of the, one, of the, one of the experiences, the highlights of my life. Unbelievable. Oh, and you, who was your teammate? The one and only Marcus Fraser. Nice, mate. Oh, that would have been a fun time. You've been playing golf together for a long, long time, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Finchie was the captain. I mean, how good. Finchie, yeah. You can't, get, you can't get a better captain than Baker Finch. Yeah, what a legend. But, He's been there, done that. Mm. Wealth of knowledge. Great guy. It was it was an amazing, amazing week. I think there's a lot of golf pros that uh, have uh, uh, regretted not going. I think because at the time, I think there was a lot, a lot said about catching some something or there were, what was happening. Zika, Zika virus, wasn't it? So yep. I, yep. I got a, I got a feeling a lot of people have regretted it based on who went over and, and the stories coming back and how good it was. What a great experience it was. Well, a lot of people worry about the Zika virus and they're worried about the security. And I sat there and went, security? Man, I went and played the Pakistan Open. You want to talk about security? I mean, Brazil was a walk in the, walk in the park. <laughs> That's right. What was the course like over there? It was built for it, wasn't it? Uh, it was, it was a, a, a Lynx-style golf course that played really soft. Okay. It didn't, Perfect. It didn't, have the, it didn't have the time to mature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the design, the design was okay. Mm. But if, if you let me share a little funny story with you about the volunteers Please. we have for the, for, for, the, for the golf tournament. So they've got a lot of kids from around the place. When I say kids, are late teens to come and volunteer. So I'm playing with Patrick Reed. Okay. So Patrick and I play, and I, I, I'm on the last, on the back nine, I think I'm on, like on the 13th or something like that. I drive my ball to a bunker, and we're walking up. I'm saying to the girl, where's my ball? And she goes, oh, it's right here. So my ball's here, and she's got her feet in the bunker, standing a V-shape on the <laughs> golf ball, going, your ball's here. And she's like, that far from my ball of her feet. I'm just sitting there going, look at my brother-in-law caddying for me. I'm looking at Patrick going like... <laughs> and by that stage, I'm like... Yeah, by that, by that, by that, by that time in the, in, the, in the tournament, I'm like, just give me a club. <laughs> What was she protecting it or making sure she didn't lose it? <laughs> well, 
the thing is, we we went to a country that doesn't have much knowledge about golf. Yeah, so these yeah. are the things that that, that happened. But <laughs> it was it's all part of the experience. It's a story yeah, my yeah. brother-in-law always brings up. He goes, "I can't believe the look on your face when you looked in there. She's nearly standing on top of your golf ball in the bunker." What a classic! <laughs> so, have they got the Olympics on this year? Not now. It's supposed to be in July in Japan. But all because of yeah, COVID so they've, so, so they've cancelled the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. So maybe next year, but. So mm. the guys that were supposed to be in the team, obviously that's all going to change because, you know, Lucas Herbert could end up forcing his way into the team the way he's been playing. You never know. Mm. Mm. No, it's just changes can change so quickly. Someone just has a run of three good tournaments and all of a sudden they're, they're right there. Mm. So did you golfers all sort of go out together and enjoy, you know, the nightlife and enjoy the, the Olympics together or all the teams or they separated or? No, no, we, we went down to the, we, so we stayed in a house off, we, we weren't in, in Australia house, we didn't stay in the, mm. in the team facilities, we went, we had a house all together, mm. um, so we went down a couple of nights and ate in a cafeteria with all the athletes and we went over to look at the gym where all the weightlifters and sprinters mm. and stuff were working out and Fraser and I looked at each other and went, oh, no, we just kept walking, they put us to shame. And then, um, you know, yeah. we went to a basketball game. We went and watched Australia play basketball. Mm. I got dressed up in the kangaroo suit that you see someone wearing every year. It was a little bit whiffy, but uh, it was good yeah. fun. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, great experience. Yeah, it would have been cool around all those uh, lead athletes in different sports and um, yep. seeing them display their their talents. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. great. The problem, the problem was, is that some of the stuff we wanted to go to, because of the extra security, <clears throat> we had to go to the village, go through security, then go to a bus, get on a bus, travel, whatever it is, an hour, hour and a half to the next event, get off the bus, go through security to get into the event. We're like, we're not going to do that. This is too hard, mm-hmm. too hard. Because you're there, you're there, you want to, you're there to play golf. You're not there for spectating. Mm-hmm. How did you play? Pretty average. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I think I finished in the thirty in the thirties somewhere. I think I was in the thirties somewhere. And and phrase phrase looked like he was gonna is in contention to possibly vie for a medal. Yeah. Um, He shot a course record, and then I had a ten on a hole, which was another record, I think. So. I was going okay in the first round, then it started absolutely tipping down rain. And the Australian Olympic Committee, in their um, wisdom, gave us wet weather gear, which would you wouldn't even put on your dog. I was so under so underprepared for what they gave us. They gave us an umbrella, and the umbrella was like the ones you see your grandmother walking around in a shopping centre that just covers her head for a golf umbrella. Oh dear. I mean, Obviously, it was the first year golf was back in, and they they were mm. so underprepared. It was a joke. And then the then the IOC said, "No, you can't use your Titleist umbrella or your Callaway umbrella mm. because it has marketing on it." So we're mm. sitting there. I'm going to Finchie. What are we going to do? Mm. Yeah, it's just a night. It's just a nightmare. Oh, cool experience, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and the, I suppose the last thing I've got here between then and now was your attitude towards the game. And I think we touched on a little bit before, but um, how, how do you think your attitude towards the game has changed? Has it enhanced? Do you love the game more, less? Uh, I, just, I, I love it more and more every day. Mm-hmm. It, gets to a point, it gets to a point where I start thinking, 
when will I finish? Mm-hmm. Is the finish, the finish, we'll, we'll call it the finish line. The finish line is getting closer, which is a sad thing. Yeah. I want to try and run out, run out strong to the finish line. And I, mm. I love the game. I live to play golf and that's how I'll always be. Yeah. Good. Well, keep playing, mate. I, I love watching the play. Um, so keep winning those tournaments. Uh, good luck for this year and the remaining uh, of your career. Uh, I'll be watching closely. So I uh, really appreciate your time. I've enjoyed uh, talking to you. Um, yeah. And all the best here. No worries, but anytime. Give me, give us, give us a bill. If you ever need anything, just, Drop a line. No worries. I'll take you up on that. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon and I uh, hope we can catch up and have a beer one day. All right, buddy. See you, Thanks. mate. Thanks, mate.